listening to KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. And it's time for The Sages Among Us. What makes a community great? Most importantly, it's the people who live and work there and who are engaged in community life. The Sages Among Us focuses on these people, what they do and why they do it, and celebrates the leadership, time, and energy they bring to making a positive difference for all of us. Welcome to The Sages Among Us. I'm Lori Burkhart Frank, and I'm very pleased to introduce you to my guest tonight, Sean Grayson, City Manager for Nevada City. And I'm going to let Sean tell you lots of good stuff about him, so I'm not going to do a lot of your biographical information yet, Sean, but welcome, Sean. Thank you for having me. Well, it's so good to have you here, and I just want to start off with letting the listeners know that you are a local person. I am. You were valedictorian for Nevada Union High School, um, and you're a high school athlete. So tell us about growing up here. Well, it's funny that 30 years later, people are still saying you're a valedictorian. So, um, you know, I don't draw much um, from that other than I went to school with some incredibly intelligent and talented people. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, it's it's fun to still put on a resume uh, and tell my kids about. But um, sports was a, was, a, was a big deal. Um, I was... Uh, uh, an okay athlete, but I loved being an athlete. Um, got fortunate to, to um, you know, play football and, and wrestle and, and run track with some, some amazingly talented folks. Uh, Joe Hart, an inductee to our uh, local uh, Sports Hall of Fame, was a, a wrestler that uh, I really looked up to. I was good. He was great kind of thing, and uh, he was amazing at football as well. So um, that team sport um, uh, carried throughout my career. You know, the last – since I graduated high school, I love uh, everything about team sports. So, you know, public service just fit the bill. Well, so when you went to high school and you graduated, did you know what you wanted to do right out of high school? Um, until my junior year of high school, I 100% knew that I was going to be a doctor, um, cardiothoracic surgeon. Um, I knew that since I was probably seven years old. I had no doubt in my mind. Um, and then um, I decided to do an ROP uh, emergency medical technician program um, here locally, um, and I completed that, became a volunteer firefighter, and it changed my life. I decided, now I'm going to be a firefighter paramedic. Okay, uh, so I, I need to go <laughs> back a little bit, Sean. That was a very specific goal that you said that you set at age seven? Absolutely. So wh what influenced you to set that original goal? Um, I think, um, so anybody that uh, that knows me now, I have a misshapen head. When I was in high school, you couldn't tell because it was covered with hair, but uh, um, I uh, had a something called craniosynostosis. Basically, all my soft spots were fused when I was born. Um, and so I had to have what was then an experimental surgery um, to make it so that I could survive. Um, and so I always had this affinity to um, doctors and healthcare and, and things like that. And then I had a, a friend that um, at a very young age had a heart transplant. And so I think that was what inspired the you know heart surgeon kind of uh, thing. Wow, impressive. You see, I love talking to people on the show because you learn <laughs> such very cool things. But so you went into the ROP program and, uh, and you also were able to do... Uh, 
the medical side of things on that. Correct. Um, and then did you decide after you graduated as valedictorian that you were going to go to college right away? No, I um, I was working part-time in the fire service while I was in high school because I turned 18 um, during my senior year, and I basically um, went away to be a firefighter. I went to paramedic school um, and started working as a firefighter paramedic, um, and it, it took me quite a while, actually, to get back on track for college, mostly because um, I met my wife here. Uh, you know, uh, She graduated the year after me, and uh, we'll celebrate 27 years uh, next week. Oh, my. Um, and Congratulations. So, Thank you. Um, but uh, so the priority was for her to finish college and then for her to, you know, do other things and uh, then for us to start a family. And then we ran out of excuses and I said, I got to go back to college. So, Wow. I, uh, that, uh, again, so impressive because uh, sometimes that's a harder way to do things because life gets very full. You're married, you have kids and now you, and you're working full time. Um, it was a challenge. It was uh, it was interesting. And, um, you know, distance learning and the uh, things like that were not really available. So it was finding this hodgepodge of in-person and moving your schedule around and things like that. Uh, um, but, you know, we made it work. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was it was actually great. I, I, I actually learned a lot more. I know I learned a lot more by learning as an, a true adult as opposed to a young adult. Um, I, just more receptive learner and able to apply it to a much greater degree. So where did you go to college then? Um, a little bit of everywhere. Um, so uh, my wife was at Chico State, so I took some classes there. I took some classes at uh, Shasta College, Sac State along the way. I ended up graduating from uh, State University of New York, Excelsior University um, with my bachelor's degree and then sprung right into uh, Phoenix, Arizona of all places. Uh, go Lopes, uh, for uh, Grand Canyon University for my master's degree in leadership. So you and your wife moved around a lot. Uh, we did for our first little bit, um, and then we stayed put um, for quite a while, um, pretty close to home, just down the hill in Placer County until... Ooh, about 10 years ago now, we went to Southern California for eight years. And I want to get back to that yeah. in a few minutes. <laughs> but I, I just want to go back a little further uh, to, to ask you about some of your early jobs. I mean, you were a valedictorian. You, you were an athlete. Were you able to do any work? Besides that, <laughs> absolutely. So, uh, raking pine needles was my first job at like 12 years old. I'm sure that was under the table, but uh, you know, uh, my first real job um, was at uh, McDonald's, uh, and as a lot of kids in this area right, were right down right here down, in Brunswick Basin, exactly right down the hill. Um, uh, Joe and Jerry Martinez were the owners then. Um, they had worked in corporate McDonald's for a long time, and then basically retired and opened their own store. Um, there um, and they had really high standards, but also were very good, uh, compassionate, you know, teachers. And um, you know, that's another team environment, you know, too. Um, you know, you can't do anything by yourself really in a fast food restaurant. So, um, and that's where I met my wife. We didn't start dating when we met there, but uh, um, that is that is where I met her. So, um, two wonderful things. Learned a lot and uh, met my wife. Wow, very fun stuff. Uh, so you were talking about in terms of lessons, you learned about the team aspect of that. Are there other lessons you learned from early jobs? I think uh, just 
uh, you know, hard work, um, you know, leads to good things. Um, you know, you don't always see that in your paycheck. You don't always see that um, in necessarily uh, attaboys. But, you know, when you um, set your mind to certain things and you want to accomplish them, just that that reward of, of doing those things that you set out to do, um, you know, the um, the whether it's, uh, you know, a touchdown in, in football um, isn't based on those 10 seconds of work, right? It's all the things that went into it before. And, and the same could be said for, you know, the cheeseburger that came down the slot for me. You know, <laughs> that, that's not the, it's not the, it's just that work there. It's everything that's opened the store in that morning all the way to that place. So, you know, um, yeah, I think um, I've always kind of revolved my my life around that. What can I, what can I do for others? What can I do for my community? And uh, found a lot of, a lot of happiness in, in doing that along the way. So throughout your career, and this would be anything from those early days at McDonald's when you met your wife or for along the way, or actually just in general life, have you had some mentors? I have, uh, you know, in the fire service, I had two, um, two amazing mentors, very, very different um, people. Um, uh, a person named John, who was um, quasi kind of uh, a father figure and um, really uh, an encouraging and uh, soft voice and, um, you know, kind of the finer things in life and saying that, you know, um, you know, find that work-life balance so that you can have a really good long career, take care of your family, take care of uh, your work, be a good public servant. And then another guy named Jerry, who was uh, um, what in the fire service were referred to as crusty. So it was, you know, kind of uh, grisly and, and rough. And uh, But he also took me under his wing for the kind of the hard knocks things of, of the fire service. And, and uh, he was an uh, amazing person too. And I didn't realize at the time what he was doing. Um, I was just going along for the ride. But uh, looking back on it, he, you know, he taught me a lot. And his son, um, after he left the, uh, the fire service, his son came along and I was able to serve with him for a while. So it was a, a great thing. Yeah, so you... Were you had so many positions in the fire service? Maybe you could tell us about some of the positions that you've held. Well, I think I've worked in every. I know I've worked in every rank in the fire service and the organizations that I've worked in. So I started as a firefighter paramedic, um, promoted to engineer. That's the person that gets to drive the front of the fire engine. Um, also got to drive the back of a tiller truck because those have a steering wheel in the back of those big long ladder trucks um, as well. Um, and served as a captain, which is the supervisor of a fire company, battalion chief, who's a um, shift supervisor or one of the uh, incident commanders on shift, um, division chief, assistant chief, our 40-hour assignments, you know, working in an office, running programs, things like that, deputy chief being the number two um, in an organization, and then culminated with being appointed as a fire chief um, 10 years ago. Uh, wow. So it, what were... It's it's a kind of career that is so incredibly valuable, and I think that all of us in California or any place with trees have more and more and more appreciation all the time for for the technological information that you have to have, the guts, the courage. But what are some of the the jobs that just got you really excited when you started off? Was it the guts and courage jobs, or was it the science of it? Um, I think it was a combination of both, but definitely the, you know, direct point of public contact, being that person that could, as a paramedic, hold somebody's hand and tell them it'd be okay, or on the end of a, uh, a fire hose spraying the water on the, uh, on the fire, you know, those, those were exciting, and, um, and they still are. 
um, to me. But uh, the more I grew in the fire service, it became something of, you know, I can have a greater impact um, by being the person that leads the four people on the fire engine. I can have a greater impact by being the person that leads the entire shift. Um, and I can, as the, you know, as the fire chief, I could build programs that uh, had, you know, not just uh, outcome changes, but community impact changes. And so, um, you know, I, I, I grew begrudgingly to um, learn that I was pretty good at um, those administrative tasks. And but I loved them because it really did have that that uh, that correlation to the being able to hold someone's hand and tell them it was OK. But it was building programs to support the people that would be able to do that. Well, and you did go on from your bachelor's degree in business administration to get a master's degree in public service leadership. So what inspired you to do that? Because again, you took a while to, to finish your uh, business degree because you had a family and you had full-time work. So what would inspire you to go on? So for me, it was really um, trying to be good at what I did and all aspects of what I did. So, you know, the fire service is a paramilitary organization and to a certain extent it can be very direct and sometimes perceived as gruff. You know, definitely there's times when people are yelling um, because that's the best way to, you know, get something across. And obviously there's um, when time is of the essence uh, um, that goes along, but um, 98% of what a firefighter or a police officer or, you know, uh, any other first responder does is not that, you know, that super time urgent emergent uh, activity. And so, um, you know, what you do during those other times is what will make you successful during those mission critical times. Um, and so that, in my experience, came down to um, the leadership of individuals, but more importantly, the followership of everyone in an organization, because, you know, no matter what rank you are, there's always people above you. Um, and so how you follow and how you lead up, um, you know, makes just as much as a difference as how you lead down. Um, and so I, I really wanted to explore that on an educational level. Wow. And so where did you end up getting your master's from? Grand Canyon University. Wow. You, you did get around. <laughs> <laughs> I chose them because the, my favorite color is purple, and that is their uh, mascot's color. No. Uh, <laughs> it was just a, a, a great program that uh, had some some uh, really good folks. They, they basically took their um, instructors from their uh, – doctorate in public administration and their master's in public administration program um, and combine them with um, retired fire service leaders. Um, so I kind of have an affinity to that. Um, and uh, that was the basis of, of their leadership program. And so. did you have to move your family around during all of this? Or you, no, that, that was... At that time, you were able to start to do some of this remote learning? That was some remote and some cohort, you know, go to campus for um, a week at the beginning of a semester and then come back, you know, every four weeks for two days kind of thing. Oh, well, very interesting. You're listening to The Sages Among Us on KVMR. I'm Lori Burkhart-Frank, and I'm talking to Sean Grayson, who's a city manager for Nevada City with a lot of background in the... Uh, what fire protection world because it's so much more than that it's it's the medical it's the fire protection it's the public servant what is the official uh, i think the fire service now is anything that doesn't involve weapons um, kind of comes down to them that's not true but uh a kind of a you know a joke with the police department but uh 
police are, are great, you know, partners to the fire department. But yes, the fire department's expanded from, it used to be go to, you know, fires in burning buildings. And, yeah. And then there was a separate fire department that handled the wildfires, right? So it was the Forest Service or at the time, California Department of Forestry, um, CDF. And, and now you know, essentially all of those fire departments do all hazard work. So everything from high angle rescue to hazardous materials calls to ducks and storm drains to inspecting buildings to make sure that uh, things like the ghost ship fire in Oakland won't happen again uh, and, and everything in between. Well, just again, no matter, no wonder you need a master's. <laughs> There's a lot to it. And it, and then you said 10 years ago you became, well, that might not be why you went to Rialto. Maybe you're already in Rialto, but you were beca- you became the fire chief of Rialto, which is a community down in Southern California. Yeah, so I, I we um, packed up my wife and uh, six kids at the time, um, uh, for Destination Unknown. I had been there once in 2003. I took a strike team of five fire engines down there for um, for a big wildland fire. But other than that, I hadn't been there um, really at all. And uh, But my wife took the leap of faith that that would be a good opportunity to serve a different community. And uh, it, was, it was wonderful. Yeah, I had not really heard of that community. And, and so I was looking up some information in your bio. And it does look like a, a a pretty community. It's got some mountains around it and not too terribly big, 100,000 people, which would be like our whole entire county. But, yes, but, <laughs> but uh, only in 25 square miles. <laughs> in 20, compare, yes, that's true. Yeah, so it did look nice. So um, so you were the, the the fire chief, and then you were pulled into other service in that community as well. Could yeah, you tell us about that? Um, I, I had the opportunity to do a, a lot there as the fire chief and kind of just explore and, and help out with other departments because that's part of your job is not just to run the fire department but find that synergy with, with uh, police and public works and building departments and the like. Um, and uh, uh, the, the long-term uh, city manager retired, and they had an interim um, person in that seat. And uh, the city council came out of closed session, and Volan told me to be the interim city manager um, because the other person was going to be departing. Um, so that was uh, an, an opportunity um, to jump into the deep end um, without really knowing that it was that deep because um, it was – it was fun. It was exciting, and and I didn't realize how, you know, bad it could be. Um, <laughs> and so I did that for um, about nine months, and we hired someone to come in to be the permanent person. And I was very happy. Went back to being the fire chief, and um, that person, as soon as COVID hit, uh, retired and moved out of state, and I was right back into the city manager seat. So. It was uh, it was interesting, um, challenging, um, but the second time it was also with knowledge of you know kind of the daunting task that was ahead of me. Yeah. So then, did that is that what inspired you to begin to think about being a city manager, or were you ready for coming back to the community that you grew up in, or how did the next leap so go the- from from <laughs> fire chief to Nevada City? So the next leap came because uh, my wife and I were unexpectedly pregnant with our um, seventh child, and we were hundreds of miles away from home and family and friends, Um, and so we decided that we were going to come back home, Um, at at least temporarily. We're thinking probably for a year or two, um, you know, have, uh, have Valerian and, you know, grow our family. 
And uh, along the way, somebody called and said, hey, now that you're up here, would you be interested in coming home and being the city manager in Nevada City? Um, and we hadn't really contemplated that. Um, we thought we we're going to stay in Southern California. You know, the pay is a little different there and the pace of life is a little different there as far as working goes. And uh, but the more my family and my wife looked at it, we said, yeah, we would be interested. So, um, and I wasn't even the first choice. So, um, but things work out as they, things do (laughs) probably, uh, definitely for Nevada city, but hopefully for you as well, Sean. Well, so when you came back and now you're in a leadership role here, what were some of the the things that you noticed right away that had changed or some of the things you noticed, ah, it's still home. So, you know, the the aesthetic, the feel is very similar. You know, once upon a time, I think there was four fur traders um, going down Broad Street. And uh, right when I became the city manager, they they listed the last one for sale. And I was like, oh, my gosh, fur traders going to go out of business. Fortunately, um, local wonderful person, Wendy uh, Armshar, bought uh, fur traders and is keeping it alive um, and doing great with it. Um, but, uh, you know, the feel, the look of the buildings because they're old and we protect them um, is the same. Uh, also, this just the, um, you know, I walk down the streets and people say hi and they smile. And even the people that maybe don't like me, you know, will <laughs> smile and say hi. And that's um, that is that is different than, you know, bigger cities. And, um, you know, so so that was the same. You know, there was. um you know, over in the Seven Hills areas has changed a little bit. There's, you know, what used to be the um, the Yuba Club is now a you know cannabis dispensary, and uh, you know the the Tech Center, which brought my family out here, the old Grass Valley Group, um, you know, is was kind of uh, inactive for a very long time. So there was definitely some changes. Glad to see that that's growing quite a bit, though. Yeah, certainly. Uh, so. What do you think it is that makes Nevada City unique or, or special? I'm not sure what it is. Uh, I used to tell my wife I think it's the, you know, the um, the magnetism of the gold mines. Not that gold is magnetic, but um, just something about um, it draws you back here. But I, I do think it's um, it's the sense of community um, that you know if you go into the um, county CEO's office right now, or you go into my office, or you go into any business downtown, you're likely to find somebody that graduated in my graduating class from Nevada Union. Um, and that's, uh, you don't find that in, in a lot of other places. No, I, I find that particularly fascinating. And I, I think that now more than other times that I've been here in almost 30 years, that it seems like there are more folks like yourself who have either stayed or come back, um, would you say that that? Yeah, it seems like it. You know, a lot of people left for college and came back. A lot of people left um, for longer than college, um, but they're trickling their way back. There's just something about that, um, the feel of this community that um, that makes people want to, you know, come here, raise their kids here, grow old here. Um, it's, it's wonderful. And what do you think are some of the uh, most pressing opportunities or challenges for small communities and or specifically to uh, Nevada City, Nevada County area? Well, the challenges are always, you know, finding that uh, that sweet spot for um, funding the things that the community needs and also funding the things that the community wants on a, on a relatively small budget. 
um, you know, the, the existential threat is fire. And um, that's something that, that uh, we are working on in Nevada City and, and as are other communities, but we're putting a considerate effort in that. We did a very large-scale strategic planning uh, process. We had more than 1,000 respondents to our um, surveys and workshops in a city of a little over 3,300. That's, that's that a lot of participation. That is really <laughs> impressive participation. Absolutely. That's and, really impressive. And how do you, why do you think that is? Did, I mean, did you do a lot of... of outreach for it or are people just engaged and came to you and said we want to be part of this both um, I've done a lot of strategic um, planning in in my previous lives and um, and uh, found great success with it but I think it was a combination of the desire of the community to be heard and coming out of covid where even though we had zoom in zoom you don't you can talk but you not really sure if you're being heard. And so people wanted to come out for the workshops. They wanted to fill out the surveys and, and let their opinion be, you know, in front of the council. And um, without a doubt, FIRE was, um, we didn't prioritize our strategic plan, but FIRE was the number one, um, the number one threat. And so has Nevada City had a chance to do anything specific about that? Yeah, so we, you know, we've we've done a number of things. The um, the biggest, the, the most exciting thing right now is in January, we um, opened our Office of Emergency Services, hired a community risk reduction officer. Well, we got a grant last year that will pay for a fuels equipment operator for the next five years. You'll see his name's David. You'll see him out and about on tractors or with weed whackers doing road hardening and um, clearing lots and and uh, and enforcing our defensible space ordinance on our own city-owned properties. Um, so a um, lot of lot of efforts to be done there to make us safer from wildfire. So, and can you speak a little bit about any collaboration that goes on between Grass Valley, Nevada City, Truckee, and the county? Uh, especially on some of these bigger issues like fire? Yes, yeah, so there's always uh, collaboration there. I don't, it sounds like that maybe wasn't always true in this community, um, but uh, it certainly is now. Um, the county is working um, with all of those agencies on a community wildfire protection plan as well as our hazard mitigation um, plan for um, the county. And there's actually a joint meeting of of the, the town of Truckee, Cities of Grass Valley University, and the Board of Supervisors on the 29th on the topic. Um, so a lot of investment in that um, collaborative process. And I think that's just always such a good reflection of the community to see collaboration Absolutely. among our, our leaders. Cause it's best government for sure. Yeah, that is fantastic. Well, Sean, I'm just wondering, do you ever have any free time? And if you do, <laughs> what do you do in your free time? My free time is all about uh, what my kids love to do. Um, you mentioned you have seven. Yes. And uh, l- lately that's been uh, a lot of rock hounding, you know, um, with the with the weather disrupting a lot of things in, in stream beds and things like that, going out to, oh. to find the agates and the... Oh, fun. Know, um, ammonites and all the things that the kids love to do and we tumble some of those rocks and we cut some of them open and but wow well that that's an interesting hobby i haven't (laughs) heard that before and of the nevada city events and this maybe it's not a question i should be asking you but what's one of your favorites my favorite was always Constitution Day. Um, oh. As a, from a very young age, I remember going out to Pioneer Park and seeing it's changed. Um, it was uh, Civil War and then it was Revolutionary War. So it's changed. They're the same people doing the reenactment for the, for the most part. But I was just enthralled by those reenactors and how they could bring history to life. And so, um, you know, that's a, it's an unusual activity. Not a lot of places have a Constitution Day parade. So, um, yeah, that's been my favorite forever. Well, that, that is great. And we are wrapping things up pretty rapidly here. And I just wanted to ask you, 
if you had the power to wave a magic wand to improve our community, what would you do to, to what problem would you solve or what would you create that would make our community a better place? So I would love to solve the problem of, of housing and the continuity of housing, everything from homelessness to those that um, you know, grew up here and lived with their family who owned a home, but now they can't even afford to, you know, they went to college, they can't come back and rent a place. Um, in Nevada City, um, people that um, work downtown that can't afford to live here either. Um, just there, there's a billion people smarter than me on this planet. There's got to be a way to, to um, make it work so that people can retain the value of their homes and still other people can live here and work here. Um, I would it would be amazing if I could have that magic wand. Well, and we'd have like a minute left or so. <laughs> Has anything been done for, on affordable housing or workforce housing in yeah. Nevada City? Uh, Nevada City opened Cashins Field uh, in January 2023. That's 51 units of uh, low-income housing, which... That's uh, a lot in a, in a community this size. It is. That's And Nevada City was the, uh, the only city in California to meet its regional housing needs uh, assessment numbers for low-income uh, in 2023 because of that project. And that's really... Um, a collaboration um, success story. That is the county and the regional housing authority and the city and even Grass Valley putting some money into the collective kitty to um, get to the point where that, that project could could come out of the ground. So it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. And there's there's other work being done on the small scale on the, you know, the kind of pod homes and tinier um, activities to, uh, focused on workforce housing. We call them missing middle because um, there's not really state and federal money to support that. It's more on the low um, income housing, but, uh, you know, everybody needs housing at this point. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we still do have just a little bit of time. So if you could just tell me a little bit what's pod housing, what the, what that actually the description of so that is. So pod housing is, is uh, kind of like uh, having en suites. Every, every, you'd have, say, six master bedrooms that would have uh, like a little kitchenette. And then you have a common kitchen and oh. a common housing area. It's kind of like dormitories for adults. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that I do remember places like that in, at Chico. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so so we're working on. I mean, the community. I, I use the collective we. Yeah, there's a, there's several groups in the community that are looking to uh, explore that right here in Nevada City. Well, Sean, thank you so much. Uh, my guest tonight has been Sean Grayson, City Manager for Nevada City. Thank you for joining us, Sean. Thank you for having me. And the purpose of this program is to inspire and invite people to participate in the betterment of our community. Discover how you can make a difference by tuning in on Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Next Wednesday, join Sage's host, Kimberly Ewing. You've been listening to The Sages Among Us. I'm Lori Burkhart-Frank. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for everything you do to make our community great.